Welcome to Collexplorations. I am your host, Tony Peters. Today we're going to have on Pastor Joran Green, who just happens to be my old Bible school professor, so a special place in my heart. And uh, he's going to be on to discuss our key verse segment today, and that is from Matthew 6, 33 to 34. And that reads, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I hope that you enjoy part one of this series. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cool Explorations, uh, another Keyverse segment. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, Pastor Joran Green. And uh, he actually used to be a professor of my Bible school that I went to. So uh, <laughs> it's very much an honor to have you, have you on. I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, we'll be discussing Matthew 6, 33 to 34 today. Um, did I miss anything in the intro to you, Joran? Is there anything else you want to let us know? Uh, I'm now actually pastoring, as you've indicated, which is has been a really interesting change of season. I think I had you as a student kind of my mid-course of about 17 years in academia and actually anticipated that I was going to stay there. But as God has led, we're here, we're excited and actually uh, very excited about these particular verses. This has kind of an echo in some of what I've been preaching here at Arendale, where I'm pastoring. So very That's thankful right. to be here. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting how God kind of makes a lot of those things work and connect. Uh, yeah. I know I've had that with my own pastor. We've had discussions, and uh, they just kind of fit perfectly into what what he had coming up. So it's it's just really interesting. Um First off, I, I just always want to start with what's the meaning of this piece of scripture and uh, what are its proper context? Uh, so people have a tendency to take these things out of context. So uh, do you want to just explain that for us? Sure. This is happening in a, in actually a, the biggest chunk of, of core teaching in the entire gospel of Matthew. And I remember a number of years ago, I was looking through my course notes because I used to teach Matthew. And I don't remember, were you one of my Matthew students or had I already moved out? Um, I don't think you were doing Matthew. You, I did more theology. You had theology. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as I say, you kind of came in kind of my mid-cycle. When I first started, I was actually teaching the gospel of Matthew as part of my synoptics course. And I look back at my notes and I had right in the start of my notes, that the Sermon on the Mount is not an echo back or a call back to Moses on Mount Sinai. And I was horrified to see that I had that in my notes from my first year teaching. Uh, I don't know where I picked that up. It was a commentator I had read or something I heard. I would say fundamentally that is 100% wrong. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes up. He's sitting on the mountainside. The crowds are gathered below him, and he begins to teach. And we start with the Beatitudes that I think many of us know. And he begins to talk about, here is what the kingdom of heaven is, and here's who the kingdom of heaven is going to include, and and this is the behaviors. And it really is a second giving of the law. There's this interesting parallel between Moses on Mount Sinai. God gives him the law. He takes it to the people. And now Jesus, who is the capital P prophet of Deuteronomy 18, and Moses says, there's another prophet coming after me. Uh, Listen to what he tells you to do. Jesus comes and he takes the law and he says things like, you've heard it said. And then he'll quote the Old Testament and specifically quotes Torah. 
And then he says, but I say to you, and he makes it harder. He makes about what's going on in our heart. Moses' law was about what we did. Jesus makes it much more intrinsic to our very makeup. So the whole context of this text, there's, we don't know how many people were there. They're gathered on the, the hillside as he is teaching and speaking. And the disciples are at his feet. And he's talking about salt and light and, you know, city on a hill cannot be hidden. He moves on to issues like forgiveness and how to pray, fasting. And then in the lead up to chapter, this, these verses in chapter 6, he starts into the things of life. He says, don't worry about what you eat or what you're going to drink. And don't worry about you're gonna, what you're going to wear. And he really challenges us that life is more than what we eat and drink. And keep in mind, again, we want to talk context. Many of the people in Jesus' day, they would have struggled for their daily bread. When he said, give us this day our daily bread, he's talking to a community that's poor. And they maybe don't have a promise of bread today. And there was this ongoing sense of desperation that every day was a struggle for survival. They're poor. They're under oppression from the Romans. They know God's going to send a Messiah who's going to come and rescue them. And they know that he's going to tell them how to live and bring in this kingdom. And now Jesus shows up and talks about this kingdom. And he says, don't worry about these things. And as he's talking, he points out that, you know, the birds of the air, they, they don't so they don't harvest they're not gathering into barns and yet they eat he uses the example of the grass because we worry about what to wear and he says you know solomon in all his glory didn't dress as well as the lilies of the field and that's kind of the context that leads us into these these last couple of verses of chapter six as jesus is taking common things that the people need common things that the people want and legitimate needs but challenges them on where is their hope? Where's their future? Where's their certainty? Where's their focus? Yeah. And I, I love the tie in of Moses because I do think it it, it parallels so well. And uh, Jesus did that so many times. uh, And even his disciples going forward, parallel things from the old Testament. And that's why I loved uh, Arnie Armstrong's teaching because he makes so many of those connections for you. Yep. And there's so many of them. And that's why I think it's very important for us as Christians that we make sure we know the Old Testament. It, we don't Absolutely. just disregard it because you can't understand the New Testament without first understanding the old. Mm-hmm. And Jesus never once made it so we disregarded the Old Testament. No, he quoted it. He knew it. And he proved that he was the Messiah to come. And he knew the scripture better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he could make them look like fools because he knew it better than they did. And he wasn't twisting it to suit needs that were going to make him more prosperous or rich because he wasn't rich when he was on earth here. And uh, so it's, it is interesting making all those, all those parallels and connections And this section, I think, is so important for a lot of people who do really struggle because some of us are are very blessed. We have a lot, but there are so many in this world that don't have (coughs) the things that we are blessed with. And so I think this is so important for them that they can just be like, God has my back. He's going to provide for me. Uh, And somehow, even in my own struggles, God is always just provided, even if it's just enough, he's provided. And somehow the money or the food just happens to be there when you need it. And uh, that's 
so clear through this scripture that that Christ is saying, you know, I'm going to be there. God's going to be there. We've got you. And uh, don't worry about that. Worry about following me and doing what I'm asking you to do. And then, like you say, he goes into the Beatitudes, which is, again, symbolic from, like you say, the Ten Commandments. They kind of connect perfectly in with that. And and I love all the connections that we see in there. And it's why I love this particular, uh, these particular verses. And actually, I love that whole section of scripture because it just, it's wonderful and it is encouraging. And uh, I just did a study on Job with somebody uh, that has been posting this week. And uh, this kind of ties in perfectly, I think, with the Job topic. So um, I want to get into why this is so important for Christians. I kind of covered a little bit of it, but could you just explain a little bit more about why it's important? Well, it's everything you've just talked about and I hadn't even thought about the Job connection. You've got so many, that'd be really interesting to look at. Where can you chase that? Where does that link in? But yeah, um, the whole question of importance. I mean, it starts with the fact he spends so much time in the Old Testament. We want to just talk about simple hermeneutics. Why do we study the Old Testament? As you say, Jesus, Paul, Peter, the book of Hebrews, which I personally think uh, was actually one of Paul's sermons that then gets translated, but we don't know. But yeah, I, I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that's that been given the themes and the way that they're linked. It seems very Pauline, but the language is different. So what's going on? Well, maybe an Arabic sermon that's translated into Greek by somebody he didn't know. We don't know. But it makes it very clear that place of the Old Testament, because that forms the foundation for our faith. Jesus to say, you've heard it said, but I say to you, where we see what happens in the old, now we see how to apply it. We follow through what happened with Israel as they struggled with, do we trust God? Will we obey God? Will we properly worship God? And I've been doing, I I yo-yo actually at church between Old Testament and New Testament and deliberately bounce back and forth. And we'll do a series for a while in one, then a series for a while in another. So we're in 1 Corinthians right now. Then we're going to go back to Old Testament characters. And this question of do we trust God is such a reoccurring theme in the life of the kings in the Samuel Kings account. And that is what Jesus is really challenging us as believers with here. And we see the example with the kings where they're trying to take control of their life. They're trying to solve their own problems, which is the essence of sin, which I argue is pride. And if we look back in the Garden of Eden and what did Adam and Eve do? They want to be like God. They want to control their own life. They wanted things on their terms. And the serpent deceives Eve and she thinks it's a great deal and eats the fruit, shares it with her husband and he eats the fruit. That challenge is still held out to us. Will we submit to the will of God? Will we trust God or will we worry? Will we try and control our life? Will we take matters into our own hands? Will we give ourselves up to despair and just say, there's nothing I can do and live as having no hope? And both sides are wrong. The call of this text, I I love how he he phrases it, seek first the kingdom of God, because he's telling us what is most important. We're worried about what we wear. We're worried about what we eat. We're worried about what we drink. If we put a modern spin on it, what I drive, where I work, all of those kinds of modern questions, Jesus' words here hang over that. Seek first his kingdom, because he's really challenging what is the most important thing for us. What are we building our life on? Are we building our life on the things that we can grab hold of and can control? 
Are we building our life on the giver of life who died and was raised again for us? Seek first his kingdom. And it challenges us. Will we do that? Seek first his righteousness, because now we're getting into how do we treat one another? Because often in in our fear of what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, or all those things, and we try and take control of our life, the ends justifies the means, and maybe somebody gets run over. Well, you made the, the link between the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments. How many of the Ten Commandments are how we're to treat one another so that we properly honor and respect one another, seek his righteousness? That tells me how I act in his presence, how I honor and worship him, and how I treat you and my fellow believers. And then the promise, as we pursue what is most important, he'll give us what we need. These things will be added on to us, but we seek what is most important. And the less important things, God takes care of those. But it actually, it's it's challenging our economy. It's challenging what do we value most? What is most important to us? Is it my job? Is it my career? Is it my family? Is it what I eat? Is it what I drink? Uh, you know, as a fast food addict, living in Saskatoon, it was great when we lived in Pamrick. It was 65 kilometers to McDonald's or Burger King. And then when we were at the BC campus, it was it was a good 20-minute drive in. It was great. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We're in, um, Now that I live in a city, it's I've got McDonald's is literally across the street from my condo complex. <laughs> Burger King's a couple of minute drive down. We got Wendy's here. We got Dairy Queen. We got KFC. I like food. But what is most important? And as I've been reflecting on these verses, I've really been struck by what are the first things I think about when I wake up? What are the last things I think about when I go to sleep? What is the essence of what I pray when I'm alone with God? What does it say about do I trust him? Is he the most important? Is seeking his righteousness the most important? And then am I trusting him to give me all of this other stuff that builds on what's most important? For me, I think it's important we we make the most important things the most important things. It's very easy in life. It's very easy in ministry. I get distracted. I get fixated on things that don't matter. And I watch other people do this all the time. We struggle with this as human beings. We get distracted by shiny things. We get distracted by that looks good or that smells good or that tastes good or that feels good or that whatever. Satan knows how to tempt us. Oh, he he knows our weakness. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Notice the call. Seek first his kingdom. What are we putting first? And that's actually the whole theme. I actually think these verses are kind of your centerpiece in many ways of the Sermon on the Mount. Not quite. I don't want to, I don't want to over overanalyze the structure too much. I think we can get lost in the structure, trying to put structure on it. But there is a sense where these sit as the centerpiece because then we have the Beatitudes flowing out of it. We have the call to prayer flowing out of it. And he'll go on and talk about uh, building our house on the solid rock, not the shifting sand, which is exactly what we're talking about here. Seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be given to you. And I love where he goes. Don't worry about tomorrow. I, I don't know how it is for you. I'm very bad for perpetually always thinking about next day, next week, next meeting, yeah. next appointment, and very much living the future. And I think, you know, some of our history where we had a fairly major medical crisis with yeah. one of my kids. 
And that stripped us of the ability to live for tomorrow because we just didn't know. Didn't have any control. We were at the mercy of what needed to be done today. And we had no promise except what we had today. And there was a freedom and a joy there that I had never experienced. And I think I still carry it with been 10 or 12 years. I think I still carry some of that, though I still catch myself kind of thinking, well, the spring's coming and then I'm going to do this and this and this and this. But then I feel like God kind of backed me. I was like, today, what about, what about today? Are you living righteous today? Are you seeking my kingdom today? Are you trusting me today? And I love how it ends. Uh, each day has trouble of its own. And that is just so true. Thank you for listening to part one of this series. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. I hope you've enjoyed listening to uh, Pastor Jordan Green and I talk about Matthew 6, 33-34 in this Keyverse segment. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.